please email food at elijahspromise.org. That's food at elijahspromise.org. Any questions? Thank you for listening. We are stronger together. Ladies and gentlemen, very deep, deep bass of Graham Maybe. This is Graham Maybe, bassist extraordinaire. I've played with Shania Twain. But believe me, folks, it can't compare to an evening with Scott Einhorn. Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. on WRSU-FM in New Brunswick. This is Jim McEldry, head coach of the Rutgers men's soccer team, and you are listening to The Crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick, and online at WRSU.org. Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Monday Crew here on College Ave Campus here in New Brunswick. My name is Jack Pasea, Dylan Allen, Brett Hahn, and Jonathan Vasquez all in the studio today. Giddy Fox and Mo Golubchek are not here today, so we got Brett and Jonathan filling in. Guys, I hope you guys had a good weekend. I hope you guys had a better weekend than Sean Gleason did. Um, I hope I hope the best for that. I love that joke. Heard it <laughs> straight from uh, straight from the sports reporting uh, class today. That's a good one. I'm gonna keep that one in my back pocket. How you guys all doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm a, I'm a little disappointed um, with Rutgers football. That's where we'll start things. But just heartbreaking game on Friday. Um, the first half looked so promising, and we'll get into some of the things Shiano said in that post game press conference and some of the things he said last night. But just overall, uh, they've kind of disappointed me, but, but my Giants have lifted me up these past couple of weeks. <laughs> that was the most. That was the longest nightline I've ever been a part of. Too. How long did that go? Like, it, it went about two and a half hours. Wow. wow. Were there people just people kept calling in? Yeah. We had like four waiting at a time, and I mean, rightfully so. I mean, Rutgers football played brutally. It was a game they should have won, and you know, I had fun ranting with the people, and I, I'm sure the people had fun ranting on the air as well. Well, because I mean. They, they were talking about all night, the play calling, Sean Gleason, you know. I compared him to Adam Gase. I mean, he was absolutely wow. hideous. I, I I think he makes Adam Gase look, look, look like the Messiah out there. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of scary. Well, but now he's gone, so. And that's coming from a big Jets fan. Elephant yeah. in the room. There was a game on Friday night, and Rutgers lost to Nebraska by one point. Extremely winnable game. Um yeah, just a really, really tough game to be at, for sure. DA, I'm pretty sure you were there. I know yep. I was there. Great atmosphere. Everything about the game, outside of the field, was awesome. Like, I thought I was on the boardwalk all day. I, it was awesome. You know, the field, I think, I think uh, in the stadium, it was awesome. Like, the light show and everything, it was great atmosphere, I think. Student section really came out, came out to perform and uh, be there. I think eventually during the second quarter, I think the fans really came in. But you know, the field—you have to—you have to put out results on the field in order to get you know the crowds that you want. And they simply didn't do it. So, what are what are we thinking about Friday night? All right. Well, I I think it's pretty simple. The defense defense has proven to me they can play. 
I mean, you look at that Ohio State game. They gave it 49 points. I mean, that's what's expected. I mean, Ohio State is the best offense in college football, and Michigan State, I think, has a worse defense than Rutgers right now. So, you know, it, it, and they struggled very, very, very much against Ohio State at home this past week. So Rutgers, other than that game, their defense has been phenomenal, I would say, uh, thus far. The offense, we all know, pitiful. Uh, the, that's the reason why Sean Gleason got fired. And you can just see the play difference in quarterbacks, especially this past game, because all season long, we haven't seen Vedral due to injury. Wimsack gets hurt against Temple, and so it's really just been the Evan Simon show. And I think this was the cherry on top for Rutgers fans to say that, hey, we're tired of seeing this Simon guy. We're tired of the play calling. Something needs to change, because this defense is playing, in my opinion, well enough for this team to be four and two, five and uh, or five and one really. That Iowa game, they hold the offense just to thirteen points, and in this game, they hold Nebraska to fourteen. You, if this was last year's offense or even twenty twenty's offense, I think this team is at least four and two, with the ceiling of being five and one, because of what Vedral brings to the table. And I saw, I saw it this past Friday. You look at the numbers, you could say, yeah, he's 6 for 15, 133 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. The completion percentage wasn't there. But you saw on that opening drive how much better the offense just looked with Vedral. I mean, there wasn't any crappy throws. There wasn't any interceptions. He kind of just went out there and was the game manager that he's always been and just handled business and had a 20-yard rushing touchdown. I mean, the guy was the guy was playing well. It was 13-0 Rutgers at halftime. And... um you know, after the game, Shiano says that because of his hand injury, he didn't have the the grip on the ball that he wanted to have because it had been in a cast for so long that it just it, it it became weak the muscles and he couldn't grip the ball like he wanted to in the first half. So that's why Simon came in, and I mean the same completion numbers, thirty less yards and three interceptions. You you could definitely see a difference. That's the reason why Nebraska won this game. It's just because you saw the difference in quarterback play. No, and that's exactly it. Like, both quarterbacks went 6 of 15. 40% is not going to get it done for anything. And, you know, we were talking about this on pregame and, and halftime even. Rutgers with the turnovers, they, they can't get out of their own way. That's right. been a problem for the offense. Evan Simon specific, specifically tries to force too many throws downfield. It results in interceptions. The turnovers cost the Rutgers defense because they're on the field for too long. And when you're on the field for too long and tired, you're going to ultimately end up giving up points. It's just, just a ripple effect. Good teams know how to keep their defense off the field and know how to keep the other teams on their heels. Rutgers hasn't been able to do that yet, and the game against Nebraska really was an embarrassing showing and was indicative of the fact that they have a lot of work to do to climb up the ranks and show that they're here to stay. Brad, you made a good point with turnovers. The offense, let's just put it mildly, is not very talented. Um, I think we can all agree with that. When you have an offense that's limited uh, limited in a talent perspective, you have to be able to keep the football. You have to be able to not turn the football over. And we'll get to uh, the NFL in a second, but I am a huge Cowboys fan, as you know, and I'm seeing the Cowboys win four straight games in a row. And key to their success on offense and in general is not turning the football over and putting their defense in bad positions. I mean, Cooper Rush has been able to keep the football and you know simply not turn it over. And you're not seeing that with Rutgers. You're seeing them make mistakes. You're seeing them put themselves in bad situations. And that's ultimately costing them at the end of the game. Also, huge thing, penalties. Penalties, penalties, penalties. 
I don't have the exact number in front of me right now. Nine of them for 97 yards. That's what I thought it was. Nine for 97 yards. You can't do that. You cannot do that. And I know Greg Schiano's a stickler for A, turnovers, and B, penalties. So he's probably – he has to be kicking himself right now after what he saw on Friday night. And, you know, we'll talk about Sean Sean Gleason very soon and his firing, but I think it's just the frustration of last night – or Friday night, rather – was kind of just the uh, kind of just the nail in the coffin with Sean Gleason's job, and you know it's just very frustrating to see because that was a winnable game. Nebraska is a team that's in flux with Scott Frost not being there as head coach anymore, Mickey Joseph in now, and to begin with they weren't very, a very good team anyway. So it's a tough loss. I know I say it over and over again, but um, you know we'll see if there's better days ahead now with Nunzio Campanelli making his <laughs> return to the offensive coordinator role. Yeah, and I mean, the other th- I think we have a, uh, a Nunzio Campanelli hot mic on here. Let we me, do. I think we do. Nunzio Campanile. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome go. back. Welcome, Welcome back, back, Nunzio Campanelli <laughs> and hockey Nunzio Campanelli. But, I mean, the other thing, too, is, um, I, I mean, I think the four of us in this room could design a defensive game plan against Rutgers, and it'd be pretty successful. Because we cover the team so much, we watch all the games, it's essentially like watching film. And you, as long as you keep everything in front, they're not going to really go deep with m- many attempts. If you can rush the quarterback and keep things in front, you're going to have a pretty success- a successful day in the air defensively. And they run the same wide receiver bubble screens. They do the same RPO draws up the middle with Evan Simon, who we all know is not going to take it himself. I think I've yet to see him do it. It, it. It's just very repetitive, and it's so easy for teams to just prepare for something like that. And to the point of the penalties, whether we want to talk about, and I think the refs had a pretty bad game. Uh, I'm going to say that first. But I think the penalty where the um, where Rutgers, I forget the player who did it, but when they kind of threw the guy out of bounds and it was, they called it a late hit, do I think that was a weak call? Yeah. But I, I you also don't want to put your team in that situation where you're giving the ref the chance to make that call. And put him on the spot. Like, just play clean football. Don't even take that chance. Whether you think it was a BS call or whatever, why even give the referee the opportunity to throw that flag and ruin the game for you? And then I think because of that, it gave him it gave him a first down, and then they went up, and they went down to score. I believe on that drive, and so it was just stuff like that. Sloppy penalties really cost them this game. And at the very end, I had never seen, I had never seen them review a tipped pass at the line. For passenger that was and then wild. call it back, because it, 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 at the very least, when they were saying that, I was like, okay, well, if they rule it a tip pass, they'll they'll say it's defensive holding then, because there were three guys on Langan. I mean, there was a foul there, and because I guess it was tipped at the line, they don't rule that as a catchable ball, and that's why they took it back. But I mean, it it went from being a first and 10, 15 yards up to now third and ten, and staying where you're where you are. And you know Evan Simon on a third and ten, it's very low chance that he'll complete that pass. That keep was the drive going. that was an unreal call because simply like you said, Da, I've never heard of that before. Never seen it. Not like once they went in the to the review, and I'm, I mean, fortunately, I'm sitting there on the field watching the game, and you know, I'm just standing there. I'm like, what? Like, why are we? Why are we going to the monitor? I didn't see anything out of the ordinary there, and they announced it. Which is very bizarre. Very bizarre. I, I just never seen anything like that, and. The other thing, too, just to touch on the defense a little bit more, 
the to add more to why I think they played just so well all year and in this game specifically, Anthony Grant, the Nebraska running back, coming into this game, he had 114 attempts for 600 yards in five games. That's Those were his numbers. So he was averaging five and change a yards it's per pretty, carry. Pretty so decent. a first down every two times he touches the ball on the ground. And Rutgers holds him to 19 attempts, 47 yards, two and a half yards on the ground. That's nearly half of what he averaged coming into this game. It's the story of the season. The defense is playing awesome. I think I have no, I have no reservations with the defense. They're coming along very nicely. I think the offense, with a mixture of bad talent and bad luck, so far this year, has put them in the position they are right now. Yeah, I, the longest the longest pass play they gave up was 27 yards. The longest run play they gave up was 10 yards. And you should be able to win games like that. When you play a team like Ohio State, they're going to have those 40, 50-yard touchdown bombs. It's going to happen a couple of times. But against a team like Nebraska, we all knew that that team was not very good. And why they were favored by three points surprised me. Uh, Rutgers ended up covering. Okay, fine. But you're up 13 and nothing at halftime. Nebraska had literally no answer for anything offensively. And they just... Rutgers went to sleep offensively. And I, I think that was... Really, the, the cherry on top for Shiano firing Gleason. Speaking about that move that happened during NFL Sunday yesterday, Sean Gleason got fired. Um, I wish we had a hot key for that, like you're fired or yeah, something I don't, like that. I don't know if we have a. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think we. I don't think we have that. But no, very surprising for me because I thought Shiano. First of all, I've never seen Shiano really do this like during the season. I don't think he really has a history of firing guys like mid-season like that. It's rare in any sport. I know we saw Matt Rule get fired earlier today, but it's it's very rare in sports like to see that happen. And you know, even for a guy like Shiano, who's really not really not accustomed to doing that, it was just it was just very surprising. It kind of took a lot of us off guard. But if you look at you know the series of events that led to his firing, it makes more sense because there were a string of really bad offensive offensive outputs culminating in the Nebraska game. And, uh, yeah, the result is the result. I mean, do you guys think Sean Gleason uh, deserved to get fired after all that has happened so far? I, I mean, part of me says, like, thank God it was it needed to happen. Like, better to get it over with now than wait till the end of the year. But the other part of me thinks, not to really bail him out in a sense, but you, you also have to look at the other side and say to yourself, okay, well, what was he working with? You know, it's one thing if this is the offense and you're working with Tom Brady at quarterback and it's just not working. You're like, okay, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing coaching. But you're working with Evan Simon, who we all know in this room does not deserve to be a D1 quarterback, let alone start a game in a Big Ten. And you look at it that way and you go, okay, well, they have one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen. Their best receiver is Aaron Cruikshank, who to me hasn't looked as explosive as he once was uh, before that ACL tear last year. You start to look at some of the pieces that he had to work with as a coach. I mean, Taj Harris leaving as well midseason due to a personal issue. I, I I just don't – like, it's almost like, what did you expect? That's what I'm kind of getting from this. It's like, well, it needed to happen, but at the same time, no offense to Campanelli, but what are we as Rutgers fans going to expect with this offense if Simon continues to be the main guy if Vedral can't go a full game? And this is what I expect to see. And it's almost like, is it really all on the coordinator, or is that just like a scapegoat for now? Two things. First off, I think 
I think she, I think Gleason definitely had some bad luck. I think the injury, the injury concerns at quarterback were definitely a huge thing. With that said, though, the quarterback carousel that they did for like the first part of the season before Wimsat went down. I mean, with Evan Simon and Gavin Wimsat was ridiculous in my opinion. I, I've I said it from I've said it from day one. I think Gavin Wimsat should have been the guy, even with the healthy Noah Vedral. Gavin Wimsat should have been the guy. Let him have his lumps. Let him have. Let him develop. Let him become the guy that you recruited him to be, and let the chips fall as they may. The whole QB carousel thing is ridiculous. That's why, you know, I, there's a lot. There's a big thing in football and even in basketball where you have you think you have really two really good quarterbacks. You think it's a good problem to have. I've never I've never understood that because I think it's better to have one solidified guy as opposed to two guys who are competing for one spot. I think it makes for a bad mixture. So I think. I think Gavin Wimsatt should have had the job from day one. Now, of course, you can't control injuries like that, and I think that was the bad injury luck part of it. And second of all, I think one thing that was huge, um, we'll play Greg Schiano's press conference very soon here uh, for all of you to listen to if you haven't listened to yet from yesterday. Big thing Greg Schiano's talking about is complimentary football. Complimentary, complimentary football is something that Greg Schiano didn't think they were doing a lot of uh, in the in the first couple games of the season, the first half of the season. And for people who don't know maybe what the definition of complimentary football is, it's basically setting up your defense for success and setting up your offense for success in turn. So let's say the defense is getting a string of stops, maybe stops the offense that, you know, the Nebraska offense in, you know, the far side of their field that sets up the offense to get a short punt and maybe have to go 60 yards instead of like 80 yards for a touchdown. And then it's vice versa with the offense. The offense is able to convert those, score touchdowns, and even Corsac being able to pin guys at the two-yard line. That's complimentary football, and I don't think – and I see from my eyes, I know Greg Schiano obviously saw from his eyes that that wasn't getting done. I was also going to say, I like you touched up on, in middle of the season, it's not something you'd really want to do with any sports team, but I do think with – you know they're not playing a game until the 22nd against Indiana. I think it's a it's a good time to kind of make that change because you have a little bit of time. Right. You have uh, a little less than two weeks to kind of change, get a new, fresh game plan. Because I think we can all agree defensively they're playing just fine, and offensively they just they're just not creating anything. And when you look ahead against Indiana, they've lost their past three games as well. They lost to Nebraska as well. They're playing Maryland next. They're giving up. 430 yards allowed to Rutgers 285 they're giving up a lot more pass yards a lot more rush yards so defensively there's something that Rutgers can take advantage of and I think this kind of time frame that they do have towards the next game gives them a chance to kind of start something new start something fresh and to your point Jack about playing complimentary football the prime example in this game specifically was when Rutgers had a blocked punt on Nebraska and the drive went four plays, two yards in a minute and a half, and they settled for a field goal. Killer. You, you cannot have a 25-yard chip shot. You cannot do that after a blocked punt. That rarely happens. You cannot turn that, that right, into a four-play, two-yard That was right through scored the touchdown, too, on the opening yeah. drive. They marched down the field and scored a touchdown. Yeah. If you were able to get that touchdown right there and make it 14 nothing against Nebraska, we're not talking about Ohio State. We're talking about Nebraska. That is huge, and plus you're at home. That makes that makes the world a difference as well. You get that get the crowd fired up, makes it a lot harder to go down and win if you're Nebraska. I mean that it's it's huge. Those moments are huge, and you're exactly right, Da. Yeah, and again, four plays, two yards. I mean that's dreadful. And the opening drive was six plays, seventy-five yards in two and a half minutes. 
So as a fan, you look at that and go, well, what happened? Like, did Nebraska just make crazy adjustments on defense and totally outsmarted Gleason, or is just Gleason that bad at play calling? You can. How do you have a four-play drive that goes two yards? Well, I'm ruling out that Nebraska made insane adjustments because that was like in the span of what, like <laughs> right five, so, ten, that's five, my ten point. minutes of that's real point. time. Like, there's no chance. There, it there's happened. no way. I don't care if you got Bill Belichick on the other side. You're not making. You're not making those adjustments that quickly. So, it's it's really unexplainable. I will say that it's very hard to convert in the red zone because the, the field shrinks and the defense is more or less room to operate, which definitely makes it. Uh, better for them so maybe that's one part of it but regardless you got to be able to punch the ball in right there yeah. with the guy like Sam Brown who mysteriously didn't get the ball at the end of the game and you know a guy like Johnny Langan even so we criticized Johnny Langan for you know running the ball up the middle and that strategy but when you get down to that distance you know sometimes that's the best option just having uh, you know to impose your will on the other team so uh, I guess this is a good time to Segway over to the Greg Schiano interview that we have been talking about. Greg Schiano talked with the media over WebEx yesterday about the firing of Sean Gleason, and uh, we'll play some of that audio here for you right now on WRC The Crew. All right, guys, thanks for uh, for getting on. Uh, sorry to take up your Sunday night of bye week, but um, wanted to get together and answer any questions you have. Uh, today's a tough day. I really love Sean. He was a tireless worker, very loyal. I just felt like it was, at this time, the best thing for our program to make a change. And we've done that. And Nunzio is going to be the the interim offensive coordinator and and quarterback coach. And we're going to move forward and we're going to get better and I chose at this time to do it. It certainly, with the bye week, gives us an opportunity to to do some things and make some uh, changes and experiment with a few things, and, and that we will do. But uh, without getting into too much detail, I think I needed to do this as the head coach of the team. It's my job uh, to make sure that we're playing complementary football. I feel our football team can win plenty of games when we play complimentary football. And as the head coach, that's your job. And when it's not happening, uh, you, you try to fix it. And then at some point you, you, you may have to make a change and that's where I felt we were today. So uh, that's how we find ourselves here. So I'll open it up for questions and hopefully try to help. We'll start with Chris Eisman. Greg, I guess just when exactly did you come to this decision? And I guess what was kind of the ultimate deciding factor that, you know, made you realize that, um, that Sean was, was you know, not going to be the guy to, to lead the offense going forward? Well, you know, I, certain things over time build up and I gave it a lot of thought, obviously, since the end of the game Friday night. But, uh, you know, it wasn't as a result of Friday night that this occurred. I really gave it a lot of thought all day Saturday, Saturday night, well into Sunday. And I just felt that this time that was the right thing to do, what we needed to do for our football team. 
Go to Brian Fonseca. Greg, why why was why did you choose Nunzio to uh, be the interim, and is he a candidate as a per, for the permanent job? You know, at, at the end of the season. Well, he is, he is a candidate, yeah, and he's got a you know a seven week kind of job interview as the coordinator. Um, why Nuns? I think that he is a very talented quarterback coach. The development of our quarterbacks is going to be an integral part of us being successful on offense. Um, and I think he's got a lot of experience at, uh, at running offenses, at coaching quarterbacks. And um, I think he was the man for this time. Bobby Darren. Greg, what's the process for searching for a new coach and how do you balance it uh, with, with still a half a season left to play? Well, you know, I've, I've been doing this a long time. I know a lot of people. Um, my main focus is our football team right now. There'll be time later on if that's the route we have to go. Um, but it's not like you don't have guys already that you always keep on your short list. So that's not an issue. Uh, but right now, my focus is 100% on our football team. Look, I believe we can win games this year. I wouldn't have made this change. Right? I mean, you can do it the traditional way and wait to the end of the season. And, but I believe that we can win games this year if we play complementary football. That's why it happened now. Steve Politi. Hey, Greg. Just uh, from a philosophical standpoint, do you have any plans to change the way you run your offense? And just along those lines, I mean, Gavin was a guy that, excuse me, that Sean recruited specifically. Are you concerned that he uh, might transfer? First question, um, I'm not going to give away too much, right? Because one of the advantages we have is we have a two-week period before we play Indiana. and. There will be some uncertainty on what we're doing offensively, but I want to have a, a, a multifaceted offense that uses tempo as a tool, as a weapon, but not as a constant. Uh, that's kind of where we are headed, uh, but it's a, an execution-based offense that uh, we need to improve our execution right now. As far as Gavin, Sean was the lead recruiter, but you know when you recruit a quarterback, the head coach is extremely involved. In Mike's case, I'm extremely involved with all the recruits, but uh, I feel very good about Gavin, where he is, um, and he's got a bright future at Rutgers. I guess just if I can follow up, it, it, I wonder if, if you're more concerned with just the game day operations or if you're concerned with the developmental uh, process of the players overall. I mean, which one of those two? is a bigger issue in your mind? Well, I think, I think they're both an issue, and I think one feeds to the other. So development of our offense at, you know, at two and a half years in, and what you see on game day, you know, those, those two things come together, and at this point, I just felt like we needed to do this. That was Greg Schiano, just a bit of his press conference from uh, yesterday talking about the Sean Gleason firing. If you want to listen to the full press conference, it's on YouTube at various sources, Rutgers Football, The Night Report. All of them are good places to watch the video. 
Guys, I want to go back into the conversation by pulling up this piece of information that I saw from Aaron Brightman, who tweeted this out, and also I heard it during during um, Rutgers Rant when I was listening to their podcast. Shout out Rutgers Rant, by the way. Great podcast. Talking great. about Rutgers football. Steve Politi, Brian Fonseca, Pat Lanny, all of them do a great job. But anyway, Aaron Brightman tweeted this. Rutgers now owns the longest drought in being nationally ranked of any Power 5 program because Illinois, Kansas, and Syracuse all sit in the top 25 now. Longest of any team. And this is the, the last time they were ranked was coming on 10 years ago. It's 2012. Longest drought of any Power 5 team being nationally ranked. I, I really wish you didn't read me that because I didn't know that. Wow. Also, I heard that I heard in the same uh, Rutgers rant that uh, what was it? Rutgers is the only team in Power Five. Now, this is not as this is not as concrete as what I was just saying, but Rutgers is the only team in Power Five to not have hosted um, college game day for football and basketball. Now, there's there's like what was it? There was like six schools that. Didn't haven't hosted it for football, but like five of them have also hosted it for basketball, and that one team that hasn't is Rutgers. So there's a game day. There's a game day for college basketball and football, obviously, and Rutgers has not hosted any of those, and it's the only team, like I believe, in Power Five that that's the case for. Well, I know for a fact. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh man, I know for a fact game day for football came here ages ago. Like I'm talking probably 2005, 2006, but I don't think they did. I don't think it was the ESPN game day that we all know. I I mean I've seen it up at their stadium. They have it framed with Corso with the the uh, the the knight on his head. The but okay. but it listen, was something the fact along remains, the lines of that that they yeah. they don't. The fact remains whether they whether it's true or not. Like it's been 15 years since that's been here in basketball. Well. Basketball's on the up and coming, so it's possible that we could get one that month, soon. baby. Yeah, I know you're excited because that's ready. definitely your favorite I'm ready. sport I'm, here. I'm tired of it's the best time of the year. <laughs> it really is. It I'm is ready. the best time of the year as a student because those <laughs> games are awesome, and no matter who they're playing, it, I think it's just the sport of basketball in general. You could play anybody, and it can be close any given day. With football, it's it's a little different because it's just so physical. But with basketball, I, it can be any. It's almost like any given Sunday that you're right? also not standing out in what could be a possibly cold game. Like for three hours, as opposed to sitting in Jersey Mike's Arena for two hours. Like, oh, true. It's different. Very so, true. Um, I completely agree. I can't wait for basketball, but to stay on topic. Football. I mean, football is in shambles right now. Football is definitely in shambles. But hey, the I offense mean, at least. I was I was um I mean taking a lot of the stuff that I listened I agreed with in Rutgers rant and applying it here to this show, but. You know, the long-term aspect of the program, the trajectory of the program, hasn't really changed, although this season has been pretty pretty bad so far from our standards. So, excuse me, but, you know, the defense is coming along very nice. And the offense, we'll see. I mean, they got young pieces. Um, but I don't think I – th- I think it's premature to think that, you know, Shiano was going to rebuild this program in the state that it was when he took it over um, in 2020 and turn it into a juggernaut in like three years this is not usc this is not texas this is not any of those schools like Rutgers is going to have to do this the hard way and you know it's it's tough it's tough to go through years like this for sure when you have a qb situation in flux and you got an offense that's very lethargic for sure 
But, you know, it's the lumps you have to go through to ultimately get to the top where you want to and have a 2006-like season. I mean, I'm not saying that a 2006-like season is guaranteed to happen, but, you know, if you want to build a program, these are the lumps that you have to go through, nights like Friday night. Yeah, well, the one thing that we don't talk about a whole lot with that 06 team in 07, 08, like the glory days of Rutgers football, was a lot of the recruits that Shiano got were lower-star recruits, and he just turned them into, him and his staff, obviously, they turned them into really, really good players. I mean, I think I think the McCourty twins were two-star recruits out of high school, and they're both now very good. I mean, I think Jason McCourty's retired now, but he, him and Devin won a championship with the New England Patriots. Devin has won multiple with New England, and he's still playing now. Um, he may be a Hall of Famer down the road, but the point being, and even guys like Ray Rice, like they weren't super, super touted um, prospects coming out of high school, and he just, I guess, saw something in players like that and turned it into success on the field. And we have yet to see that with Shiano. Most of his players, not most of his players, I think, have, are still from the Ash era, do you think? Or do you think it's, I'm, I'm not going to use the excuse that we haven't seen his players come in yet. Uh, but I think I, I'd this say big... I'd say we're transitioning to Shiano yeah. area now. I think like with Bo Melton, Pacheco, and Fadukasi leaving last year, I think that was kind of the signal of, Ashes, Ashes players are leaving. Maybe there's a couple holdovers like Christian Izian and like guys like that, but mo- it's mostly Shannon's guys. Fair now. enough. I- I'm just uh, I'm excited to see um, how the rest of these 2022 recruits pan out because Jacob Allen, number one lineman in New Jersey this year, hasn't played at all. Um, and if he plays the way that everyone expects him to play, you know our offensive line could actually look be pretty decent in the near future. Um, the one thing with Rutgers too that always seems to be successful is the skill positions on offense and defense, like cornerbacks, safeties, uh, and receivers or running backs. Kind of that's kind of like what our forte is in terms of developing players over the years, e- even when we've been bad. I mean, Chris Ash was able to get guys like Bo Melton and Pacheco, who were both in the NFL, and they were winning one game a year. And you know, even though the rest of the team, the O line quarterback. D line all crap you still had some shining stars at some of the skill positions and even Max Melton's a very good corner and we're seeing it now and uh Christian Izian's a very good player I, I, he's really improved this year he stepped up a lot I'm happy Max Melton's healthy man because yeah. did you see that play I believe it was like in the first or second quarter where an O-lineman fell on his leg it looked really scary but luckily luckily for everyone involved Max Melton's okay and he made a huge play later on in the game yeah, I remember him making a uh, – he, like, turned around and batted a ball away. Uh, he, so, I mean, we have some pretty good pieces on this team. I just – I don't know where the program goes from here. Nunzio Campanelli – I mean, they talked about how this is almost like a seven-week interview for him, seven-week trial, if you will, to kind of show Greg what he has as a coordinator. So, as a Rutgers fan, all I can hope for is to be pleasantly surprised because right now the bar is so low. Like, if you can just give me 20 points – <laughs> like, and make Evan Simon look half decent, points. and make Evan Simon look half decent. I'll be like, all right, good job. Because here's the thing: we haven't scored more than twenty points since week one. I mean, and even it's then, crazy to think about. That was twenty two. It's twenty two. It, it was right on, on the, the last break. drive of the game where we got over twenty. Last drive of the game in Boston College is very bad at football this year, and I continue to look at that game as as a game that we were just so misled with as a win. Like week one, we were like, oh my god, we beat Boston College on the road. Let's go. You know, and you look at their other losses following that game. They lose by 17 to Virginia Tech. They beat Maine 
38 to 17. They gave up 17 to Maine. We scored 22. They lost to Florida State by 30, and uh, they lost to Clemson 31 to three. They beat Louisville 34-33. to I don't know how they won that game. But point being, that Boston College game, they're 2-4. They're, they're not a good football team. And it was it, the more and more I look at it, it's almost like a game that I ex- now expected Rutgers to win. And it's like, it's a little concerning how close that was. But every game Rutgers has been in to win, except for Wagner, has been a two points or less of a win. And the offense just, listen, we, we already talked about the defense playing off uh, awesome this whole year. The, the offense just needs to wake up. And... We'll see. Indiana is not a good football team. We can preview that for a little bit if you want. Indiana is not a good football team. They're three and three. They're one please, and two. Please educate me on Indiana. I don't really know much about them. Um, well, their their losses this year are at Cincinnati, forty five twenty four, at Nebraska, thirty five twenty one, and yep. at home versus Michigan, thirty one to ten. Their three wins are at home versus Illinois, at home versus in uh, Idaho, and at home versus Western Kentucky. Uh, based off all these scores, except for the, I would say, the Michigan game, this offense can score points. They score 21 against Nebraska, 24 against Cincinnati, 33, 35, 23. I mean, this team, they can they can score points. But again, this is where I think Rutgers' defense comes out to play. I mean, it's a home game. It's homecoming. I see this game, I see them holding Indiana maybe 17, 16 points, somewhere in that range. And so all you're asking Campanelli and this offense to do is somehow muster up 20 points, and you pretty much have a win, um, in, in my opinion. They play they play Maryland this week, Jack, so you'll kind of see the meat of their schedule kind of unfold. I mean, they played Nebraska, which we know is not a very good team, but they just played Michigan, and now they're playing Maryland, who Maryland's a very underrated team, and they can score points. So we'll kind of see what team they really are this upcoming week against Maryland, but this is a game... And I feel like I've been saying this the whole year, except for Ohio State. This is a game Rutgers should win. <laughs> um, and uh, they, if they lose this one, I mean, I think the I don't, I don't think they're making a bowl game as it is now. I mean, but if they lose this one, th- this program is in in deeper trouble than I thought. I'll just say that. But I I don't think they're making a bowl game this year. I think I think that's over. I, I think, think that ship sailed. That ship that ship sailed exactly. I I don't have any confidence in them making a bowl game. And this is not like. A Rutgers basketball scenario where you know they lose all these games and there's still an outside chance and it might look crazy, but the basketball team is crazy enough that they might actually do it. This is not football has not earned that cachet. Like yes, there's a path to go win, go make a bowl game, but they have not proven that they could do that at all. Like it would take a win against Indiana, and then you would need two more in that gauntlet that you have in the last five games of the season, which includes Michigan, Penn State. At Maryland, at Michigan State, and at Minnesota. Uh, that's not in, that's not in specific order, but those are the games that you're dealing with here. And football has not proven to me that they could pull off you know some craziness like we saw last winter. So, you know, it's right. I think that ship has sailed. I think the loss on Friday night kind of just solidified that we're not going to make a bowl game unless we get unless we get gifted one by going down to Jacksonville because another team couldn't. <laughs> you know, we unless that happens, but. You know, I, I unfortunately, and I could be put on a put on one of those reels where they were just doubting at the beginning, like a hype video where they're doubting him at yeah, the end right. of the goal game. But hey, um, it's 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 looking very, very, very unlikely. I would I wouldn't see it. I can't see it happening. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. And here's one more thing I'll say about this game. I think you, I think Johnny, I think you mentioned this with the Indiana defense. They they are not very good at all. They give up 430 yards a game. 
Um, and if Rutgers had an offense, I would probably say they'd blow them out of the water. But they don't. So this game will probably be closer than you would expect it to be, than you'd want it to be. I still think Rutgers has the defense to win this game and keep Rutgers' offense in the game. But 430 yards allowed compared to Rutgers' 285. Uh, that's an issue for Indiana. Um, they give up 150 on the ground per game, Indiana. Rutgers gives up 91, which is pretty pretty good. Um, so expect Rutgers to just start running the ball, especially if Noah Vedral can't last a whole game like we saw this past week, which would kind of suck because you have the bye week. You would kind of expect or at least hope that his hand injury kind of gets back to normal in a couple of weeks from now. But if that situation comes back where he can't last the whole game, expect them to really lean on the running game. I think that's where they go back to. I think they stop trying to force Evan Simon to make these throws that he just can't make. And I think they just put the game on the back of Sam Brown, Manungai, and uh, Salam, which we haven't really seen a whole lot of them either. It's really just been Sam Brown, which I'm fine with, but it's kind of puzzling to me as to why they're not used in the offense more kind of like getting them in like screen games or anything like that it's really just Sam Brown and Crookshank with an occasional Johnny Langan and Shameen Jones target that's pretty much how the offense has been run this whole year and uh, I don't think it's enough to win um, enough games to get you to a bowl game we'll see how it goes but we'll step aside for a quick break up next locks of the week And you know those you know those keys. It is locks of the week here on the Monday crew. Jack Pasea, Brett Hawn, Jonathan Vasquez, Dylan Allen behind the board all here tonight. It is 644 here on the East Coast. And yeah, we're gonna move on from our Rutgers football talk. A quite depressing Rutgers football talk, if I sit I should say so. But we're gonna move on here to Locks of the Week. I know a lot of us here are big into big into the gambling sphere and have their expertise to share. So who wants to start? Oh, you guess I'll go first, okay. yeah, I guess I'll start. I okay. Know. I don't throw money on anything because when I do throw money on it, I lose <laughs> for the most part. But, you know, I tell people on Friday, crew, you should take our advice. It's going to hit. It's a lock. We're, we're all gambling experts around here at WRS, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to take the talents right to Monday Night Football and got a matchup coming up in a couple or less than two hours, excuse me. Uh, Raiders playing in Kansas City against the Chiefs. And there's a boosted odds. For Travis Kelsey and Devontae Adams to each have 50-plus receiving yards. It's plus 100. Ooh, so I'm going to lock it in. I like that. That it, FanDuel's offering that. I'm looking at that right now they as are. we speak. It's right That's on the front crazy. page. That's crazy. <laughs> plus 100 was minus 170. Wow. Usually I have to do some digging to find something, too. And that yeah, one was right, right there. It's right there. Does I'm, that, t- does I'm that, t- to throw 10 bucks on it. Does right that now. worry you that they're advertising this? They're like, they want you to bet it. Is that is that worrying to you? If the NFL is scripted, then yeah, but <laughs> but we'll never but, know that. You know, we'll we'll never know exactly. We'll never know the true answer to that question. Everybody has their speculation, especially after the whole thing in Atlanta. Oh my this, god, this last week but, that was brutal. Um, you know, maybe, but I, I'm not looking too big into it. I think both guys are the premier factors in their offense, respectively. So yeah. it's very plausible. I think the only way that doesn't work is if one of them gets hurt. I think that's really it. I. I mean, Kelsey gets a couple of catches a drive. I mean, that guy is right. a beast. And Devontae Adams. See, the thing with Adams is I feel like he's ha- he's gotten touchdowns. Just the yardage hasn't been there, at least for a couple of games this year. Maybe that's why that they're He still takes up like there. 38% of the target share, though. Yeah, well, there which, you go. Which, you know, in the right circumstances equates to monster volume. So Target shares. Sounds, it sounds like we're talking about fantasy right now. He is, <laughs> in a way. It, 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 it kind of... 
<laughs> works with that. Which I don't I don't want to talk about fantasy today. I really don't. My team is so bad. I had a breakthrough. Did you win? Oh yeah. You got your first win? One one thirty to eighty three. Nice. There you go. So you're on the board. Nice. I am on the board. It's about time. <laughs> two two of my other losses, I outscored half the teams. Me and, me and Palumbo are ridiculous. Me and Palumbo yeah. are having a mid off right now, so <laughs> just uh, just conveniently ignore that part of the of the schedule so far. Mid off. That's that's funny. All right. Um. Let's see. I'm also gonna go with. You know, I'll 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 mix it up. I was gonna go with the football game, but I'm gonna go with the MLB. We got some playoff baseball tomorrow, and um, we got four games tomorrow, and I I'm not the type of guy to bet individual games when it comes to this because you, you can bet the series winner right. which I kind of like to look at and so if you want to sprinkle a little bit on um, see this pains me to say this but if you want to sprinkle just a little bit on Cleveland plus 182 I, I kind of like that I feel like they're that's they're, painful for you to say they're hot at the right time I think they're pitching solid I looked back at the games they played against the Yankees this year I think the Yankees um, won maybe four or five out of the six times they played, but for the most part they were low-scoring games for maybe except one of the games. Um, that ain't, that's not my lock. I'm just saying I'm looking at that. Put a little sprinkle on that. Um, but I do like the Atlanta Braves minus 186 for that series because for me it's surprising not to see that in like the 200s. And I think even though you got to bet 186 to get 100. And you might think that's not very good odds. If you're of the same mindset as me and you were thinking this is probably going to be like minus 220 or something like that, it's actually not that bad of odds to bet Atlanta. I think they're, they are like the hottest team in baseball right now, except maybe the Dodgers because they just were great the whole year. But I, I, I think that's a good bet. I'm going to go Atlanta Braves series winner over the Philadelphia Phillies minus 186. By the way, this is not the last time we'll be talking about baseball on the crew be. this Monday because uh, the person sitting to my right is very incensed about a certain team that was eliminated yesterday. But we'll leave that till hour two. Um, I'm he's, – he's, he's – yeah, Brett is not – Find the urge to say anything right now. I'll, <laughs> say, I'll save it for hour two. Luckily, we don't have John Hartnett in the studio too. Oh, I, man. Based on the group chat, it didn't look like John Hartnett had a good Sunday night. So No. Um, anyway, so – I'm with I'm like you, Brad. I don't really put money on things, but I have learned a thing or two about betting, and I'm not going to use it right now because I'm going to go to the world of fantasy football, and I'm going to do the absolute easiest lock that you could ever put in. I'm with, so as I said before, me and Palumbo are having a mid off right now in fantasy. <laughs> I have 77 points, and that's on real numbers. I, it's, I have 77 points, and I'm done. Like, my team just decided, like, as I said off air, my team just decided they didn't want to be good today. When my team wants to be good, they're amazing. I beat Christian last week. I had 140 points, but, you know, they decided, you know what? Lions, we're going to we're gonna shut out today. And then, you know, Joe Mixon, we're only going to have 11 points. Debo, we're going to be back to being mid. So I only have 77 points. Palumbo has 68.9. He has two players left playing. It's Derek Carr and Darren Waller. He's going to beat me. 110 Hundred ten thousand percent, he's going to beat me. That's my lock. I'm going to drop to one and four. I need Darren Waller bad because I benched Jacoby Myers in a three hundred dollar fantasy league. I'm in thinking he wasn't playing on Sunday, and then he wow. scored twenty four points. I put in Romeo Dobbs, who you were just talking about, got five point nine points. Locked up by G Man, so, oh which, which which is ridiculous. Right. I I mean that's right. Listen, listen. 
I like the Giants. I'm happy they're doing well. But come on, man. No, I'm not saying come that. On, come man. on, man. You're locking up Aaron Rodgers. I said that when we were 2-0. and Ladies, I said that when we were 2-0. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm going to take it in while on, I can. Man. The New York football Giants are the worst 4-1 team to ever exist. That's fine. We're still 4-1 at the end of the day. That's fine. It's not even the New York Giants, though. It's the New York Saquons. <laughs> they're, they're, they're going as far as Saquon's quads can take them. Hey, listen. So. You can say that all you want, but my guy Daniel Jones has played turnover-free football all year. That I will say. But well, before we get into a little bit more, to a little bit more Giants talk, because I know, I know Dylan's going to be talking about them all day. <laughs> um, so for my lock of the week, I know we said did a little bit of football, did a little bit of uh, did a little bit of baseball. I'm going to go to upcoming fixture: City versus Liverpool. If you want and you want some easy money, you go with City, and you go with the over of two goals a match. If you have Holland on a team who's scoring 15 goals in nine games, you're going to want the over because Holland is going to score at least one goal. And when you're City, you're scoring three to four, even five goals a game. You're just going to make easy money. So go with the over, City versus Liverpool. This Sunday, I was going to go with the the Barca-Madrid match, but I feel like that one's going to be a little bit closer. But it's going to be City. They're playing in Anfield, so they are playing away. But you've got Holland. You've got the goal-scoring machine. Easy money there. Big soccer guy I learned today, Jonathan Vasquez. Always, always, <laughs> always. I, uh, I don't. I know it's, you're supposed to say uh, it's called football, obviously, over in Europe. It was always funny. It was like I heard something. It was like um, you're like really a good way to uh, annoy European fans is call like call like the the game like European soccer. Yeah. They say like yeah, big European soccer European fan soccer over here. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that I heard that one place. I thought it was hilarious. But yeah, you're talking about that earlier about uh, the Holland guy, right? And how he's an absolute beast like 15 goals through 9 games or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's just he's been that's tearing ins- it up in that's the prem. Unreal. Like, he's got three hat-tricks. He's done it quicker than than Ronaldo. I mean, you look at the longevity of actually my dad just texted me because he's a Barca fan I'm a Madrid fan and he's saying Barca but no 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 <laughs> but uh yeah um Holland a lot of doubters early in the season saying he wasn't going to prove it in the prem he's doing it better than anyone in the prem right now so he's just in absolute form I think he's like 22 years old so wow. I mean if so, you look at him longevity wise he's going to be playing there for for years to come so real quick Jonathan you were explaining this earlier in class I want to ask this question you said that this guy Holland transferred over to Manchester City, right? You're are you an NBA fan at all? I am, yes. Okay, absolutely. so can you compare that to like NBA free agency? Is it like the same? Like how do, how does a transfer work basically? Yeah, so they got the transfer window in the summer as well as in the winter. And so for example, he was playing for a club in Germany and they got a very cheap transfer fee. I think it was 60 million or 80 million. Very cheap? That for you got to see in terms of of the soccer world, that's a very which German club was he playing for? He was playing for Borussia Dortmund, and oh, that's oh, that's the only team I follow. <laughs> I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> but incredible uh, from a from a soccer perspective, that's actually a very cheap uh, signing. Okay. Most of the time, I mean, Neymar was two hundred million, so you just so, kind of look at that and you see the difference. To put it in NBA, to put it in NBA terms, like. Yeah, did, so. is he was he like a was he like a free agent or is it like did he did did he say like okay I want to go to Man City you can't do anything about it transfer me or like is it like yeah man, so like, he had I think he had a year left on his contract because he was bought from a previous club before okay he, he's extremely young so he was he had like a year left on his contract um, 
but basically Man City just paid a transfer fee. I mean, when they are free agents, um, same as in basketball, you can easily just sign them from there. Yeah. Um, same thing with like, for example, Messi, before he went to PSG, free agent, so he could have easily been signed by any other club. Obviously, PSG got him, paying him insane wages. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's very similar to basketball in the term that you got, you know, the transfer periods where you can sign those players. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, is it like against their will? Because like you said, like you said, like he went to Man City, like. Like, does he have to agree to go to Man City? Yeah, absolutely. Like- so there are some players that, for example, Gareth Bale, when he was on Madrid, a player who just didn't want to play, a player who wasn't committed to the club. So he kind of sat out, sat, they, he was sat out. So the club kind of has the rights to just kind of just leave him out. Even if he doesn't want to play, they could sell him out um, at will. And in terms of Holland, uh, his father played for City and he's just always been linked to that club so he did agree on it he wanted to go there he could have stayed at Dortmund another year or two but I mean when you're looking at a club at that level you just can't say no to a team like that okay yeah I forget how like you know soccer is structured over there it's not like one unified league I know there's mm-hmm. a Champions League at yep. the end of it all but you know the Premier, Premier League is one league uh, La Liga is another league yep, right yep. down Spain so yep. it's all different leagues which is pretty yeah. interesting it's, for it's, sure it's kind of the same as basketball in terms of you have like one league but just imagine it's just, it's just multiple leagues so you can buy from different leagues as well it doesn't so it's under be... one umbrella which is the champions league no 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 so there's you know there's germany there's there's all these the whole world every right every you know every country has their own league right but you can you can buy so imagine nba here nba you know nba in europe uh-huh. so you're buying those players as well but it's all under like you could buy within the same transfer window so okay. i could buy a player from germany you can buy a player from Spain. Is there just like a bigger governing body? Basically like with FIFA, yeah. FIFA, okay. Yeah, so That's they have like the, okay. the administrative rights if there's like the fair play rule, if, you know, there's fraud. Gotcha, they okay. They kind of uh, cover all that. How are they doing it for the World Cup this year? Because obviously the World Cup starts around Thanksgiving here mm-hmm. and uh, doesn't end till you know, Christmas, basically. Yeah, so unfortunately for a lot of these players, they have a very packed schedule this month and next month. Um, they're playing every three to four days. And before the World Cup, I mean, I think there's going to be a World Cup where there's going to be a lot of injuries just because of the amount that they are playing. But I'm pretty sure they're going to have, I think it's a week and a half or two weeks of a window before they go to Qatar and start playing. So in terms of that, that's just their international clubs. Um, Obviously, there's 32 teams. So, I mean, in terms of the teams there, you got your Argentinas, you got your Spains, you got your Brazils. But it's just very hard on the players that they have such a packed schedule instead of how it's usually just like in the summer. So very I can tough see for that them. for sure. I'm looking forward to the World Cup. Absolutely. I always look, I'm I soccer's like not my first sport for sure, but every time the World Cup comes on, I'm 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 watching. It's you always it's always it. so yeah. fun. And you can't miss it. Being able to being able to watch a lot of soccer so far this fall with men's and women's soccer at Rutgers, I've gotten like a handle on how the game is played. Yeah. I've always known how like soccer is played, but I've I've learned the rules like shots on goal, shots yeah. like you know penalties, fouls, and offsides, like all the terminology and all that, and just how the game flows. Really, like yep. I've I've gotten a handle on that, so yeah. I'm really looking forward. And, to seeing and how like this you goes. just mentioned, the the men's and women's soccer team who are both playing very good this year. The women's team exceptional, just like last year, and the men's team also playing uh, very good. Had a tie this weekend against against Indiana. Yeah, but yeah. 
very very excited for this world cup it's gonna be great really for sure i i can't wait but um yeah and i guess that's a great way to wrap up hour one here on the show we'll come back i know like I said, Brett Hahn is ready to talk some baseball, so we'll come back Here we on, go. The, on the other <laughs> yes. side of the hour with some baseball.